Welcome to the Spirit Anointing the Word, the podcast of Highland Church, Jamaica, New York, with Pastor Subash Cherian. We're so glad to have you with us today, and we're excited about God's Word because it gives us strength and hope for each and every day. Let's listen as Pastor Subash shares this powerful message. Father, we direct our attention to you. In you comes life and light, and through Christ Jesus, we come to know you as Father, Papa in heaven. We have come, O oh God, to give thanks to you for this beauty of each day and the experiences, not only of yesterday, but the yesterdays gone by and the years gone by. Your mercy endureth forever. Then you every morning, great is your faithfulness. Thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ. Precious Lord, we just pray through your spirit, you touch lives today. People that have come here and those that are watching as well, that you reach out and touch them. There are needs, desperate situations, empty lives, empty spirit, empty pockets, empty desires. And there are people that need healing in the bones, eyes, even ears. Touch, O oh God, the very heart and the lungs of people that need healing today. Touch, O oh God, people that have lacked that you supply the need and revive the business. And that precious person that we seeking, Lord, to enter into this new school that you would enable in the name of Jesus. Bless us as we gather together to give you glory and honor and praise through Jesus Christ our Lord. God's people said, Amen and amen. Give the Lord a clap offering. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Welcome once again. We've been doing about the five senses. We began with uh, seeing and we're talking not only on the physical, but really even beyond the emotional and the solical, we're doing the spiritual. So too, we've been doing on the years and we'll be doing smell, touch and, and taste and so forth. They are so important for this year because we want to go into a different dimension that we would have our eyes open, our ears open, our taste buds, enough touching that we would do it in the Spirit. And this would be a walk in the Spirit, be able to walk with the Lord in the Spirit of God. Let me just say, when we're talking about hearing, how important it is, we talked the last time, is the first thing that we find is God speaking to His people that you find during the days of the patriarch that is in the book of Genesis. The first we find is in so many ways, but listen, when we look at today, there's so many ways in which God speaks to us today. I'll be talking about, not today, about whether God's in the, in the term in which God speaks to us through dreams and visions and music and art, but particularly also with what is be the inner voice, the inner peace. We'll be talking about the circumstances. We'll be talking about even through creation. But most remarkably, it is the Word of God and the Word of God, which is the yardstick, it's the litmus test, and through the Spirit. So the subject is the Spirit anointing the Word, and I'll come to that in just a moment. But when you look at the first aspect of God speaking to the patriarchs, it is the voice of God. You read that in Genesis chapter 3 and uh, verse 8, the voice of God spoke. And then in verse 9, Adam, where are you? The same thing in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1, Genesis chapter uh, 15, 19, and so forth. So in Exodus 2, God spoke to Moses saying, I am that I am. 
That is the spoken word that you find, and this is how he created the whole world into being, and he said it is good, Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, and so forth. But the second aspect we find is uh, he spoke through the prophets, and that's basically what you find, the law and the prophets, they spoke to the Old Testament fathers. So, so when you read Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, you see in this God who at sundry times, so in so many different ways, and in diverse manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophet. So that's the aspect of it, the Old Testament prophet, very different from the New Testament. They are very nationalistic. It is all about Israel. And even when they spoke about the nations around, it is with regard to Israel. Unlike the New Testament, they do not speak to nations. They speak to the church. But when you look at the third one, you find in Hebrews chapter 1, in the next verse, in verse 3, hath in these last days, and we are living in the last of the last days, and he hasn't changed his program, spoken to us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom he made the worlds. So when you go into the passages like Matthew chapter 17, the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter said, let us build three molds, because there was Moses representing the law, there was Elijah representing the prophets, and suddenly the word of God came in and said, this is my son, hear you him. There's only one, no one can be equal, not even the law and the mold and uh, prophet. So we find that the seal of all the culmination of everything that was in the past, whether it was ceremonial or whether it was in terms of rituals, uh, the paraphernalia of all of that in the Old Testament basically moved into what would be simply the Word of God living, and that is the Word made flesh, the Lord Jesus Christ. So he spoke to us by the prophets, he speaks to us, and in these last days still speaks to us through his Son, Jesus Christ. Number four, the Lord Jesus Christ went to be with the Father, seated at the right hand, so he would make intercession for us. But he has not left us often, just like him. Exactly one like him is come. He's the one who raised Jesus from the dead, and he is severally at several places, several times, any day, any time, and the Holy Spirit is here as he is with you wherever you are watching this program. So I want you to understand the most remarkable thing about the Holy Spirit. We did a lot of scriptures the last time, but suffice to say, Second Peter chapter, Second uh, uh, Peter chapter one and verse twenty-one talks about how he breathed the very scriptures. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So we have the Word that comes, that is the Spirit anointing the Word. Number uh, five we talk about is simply the written word. And we did the last time, and we'll do a little bit of this because this is important, because everything is judged by the written word and the living word, the written word, and the Holy Spirit. When you think about all of what we did the last time, Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 29, the word is like a fire, the word is like a hammer. Jeremiah, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it is like a two-edged sword, sharper than any two-edged sword. This is the power of the word. John chapter 17, verse 17, thy word is truth. This is very powerful, the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Psalm 119, 104, simply is very important. It simply tells us, through thy precepts, I get understanding. So I would know what is true from foolishness. And the next verse, 105, it simply says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and it is a light unto my path. 
in all of the parables and the teachings of the Lord, you find he begins to speak and enunciates the word, and this is very important. He tells us uh, a lot uh, to do with the word of God. So heavens and earth will pass away, but his word will stand forever. It is very powerful. We understand the power of God's word. Now, understand the living word is simply um, greater than the written word. But the written word becomes to us that we study to show ourselves approved unto God a workman, a workman that need not be ashamed. So we need to know the word of God. Something I want to say in uh, uh, very importantly, not only the fact of the written word, now we come to number six, and this is to do with the spirit anointing the word. Yes, thank God for the voice, thank God for the prophets of the past, but all of this telling us today, he has spoken to us, so all the end of everything is simply comes to his son, and he speaks to us through the son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit literally is speaking of him and from him and to him. And this is what the father says, hear you him, this is my beloved son. One of the things we need to realize when it comes to the move of God, we, uh, the word of God, anointed by the spirit of God, this is very important for us to understand. God can speak in so many ways through the Holy Spirit, but I come back to the written word because, like I said, that is the very critical yardstick by which we must know, and there's no shortcut, we must know the word. Uh, we must not be deceived. But God can speak to us in so many different ways. Uh, in fact, listen to what it says in Luke chapter 1 and verse 37. All things are possible with God. Nothing is impossible. So I've been, in the next session, we're talking about God speaking to us through dreams and through visions and through so many ways. God-given ideas, uh, so many varied ways God speaks to us through circumstances and through creations. And, and there's so many, about 26 so far that I would have, uh, but I won't be able to uh, speak it all. But I want us to understand, very important, that we need to know that it has to come to the very presence and everything must point to the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything must be as per what the scripture says. When the two Emos were going towards the Emos, and uh, basically they were running off from what would be a tragedy in their mind, the Lord Jesus Christ had met with them and he expounds the scriptures. And look at the marvelous way in Luke chapter 24 and verse 27. I wanted to read this. It says, and beginning at Moses, that's the law, and all the prophets, all of the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Does it lead to the Lord or does it lead to a man? Does it lead to an organization? Does it lead to a pet doctrine? It must ultimately culminate in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is very important. And I talked about the last time, the law and testimonies. It should stay within the word and the testimony of the scriptures. So when you read Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 20, listen, they to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, if they speak not according to this word and do not have that and do not bear testimony to the living word, it is because there is no light in them. One of the things we need to realize when we go through the scriptures is how important it is to search the scriptures. And I talked about even Paul and Silas as they were going down to this particular place, Beria. Look at these wise Berians, uh, Acts chapter uh, 17 and verse 11, 
This is very powerful because it tells us these were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. So we need to realize this uh, when we go through the, uh, spirit, the word and the spirit anointing the word, we need to realize it is the spirit that speaketh and the word is very important. So he speaks the word and it culminates in the word. Let me just say this importantly, a passage that we must understand is all the time when the Spirit anoints the Word, it is to do with this, what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying, and this is certainly to the church. Uh, when you look at this passage in Revelation, we don't need to go through it, Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, Revelation chapter 2, verse 11, Revelation chapter 2, verse 17, Revelation chapter 2, verse 29, or 3, verse 6, 3, verse uh, uh, 13, and chapter 3 of Revelation and verse 22, this is what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying. This, he that has ears, let him hear what the Spirit is saying, not to the nations, not to some individual that has basically no connotations here, but to the churches. The reason is so many prophets speak to, like the Old Testament, to the nations. The prophets of the Old Testament were nationalistic. They were patriotic. They would die for Israel. We're not about any nation. We are all nations, but literally, he that has ear, let him hear what the Spirit said to the church. And the Spirit of God, through the prophet, speaks even today to the churches, and even as the Lord Jesus Christ addressed the seven churches, whether it will be Thyatira or Ephesus, or whether it be Pergamos, or whether it be Laodicea, or whether it would be Philadelphia, or Thyatira, all of them to the churches. That's very important. And even as we realize, the Lord Jesus Christ, towards the end of his ministry, talked about the Holy Spirit. And so when you read John chapter 14 and verse 16, he spoke about the Comforter. John chapter 15 and verse 26, he talked about the Holy Spirit who abides in you. John chapter 16, verse 13, he will guide you unto all the truth. He will show you what the Lord Jesus Christ said from the Father's throne and brings us and speaks to us. This is again as what John chapter 10 and verse 27, my sheep know my voice. So not only do we have to attune to the voice of uh, uh, all that is around us, but attuned to one that is the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, one of the things we need to realize is when it comes to the Word of God, it, the Word still speaks, the Spirit speaks to us. Uh, it's still today. So I'll be talk, talking about the dead orthodoxy that says only in this limitation of the book can nothing more be on the book. While I value the book, while I stand through the fundamentals of this uh, Word of God, understand God speaks to us in so many, very many different ways. But I want us to understand one very important uh, uh, critical point is we must be able to listen, what is thus, thus saith the Lord? Uh, he still speaks today. Uh, if you were to take Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 7, I just want to point out something very important. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says today, if you will hear my voice. Not what he's uh, said today or said in the past, but today. That is the 15th of Jan 2023, today. And tomorrow would be the 16th or the 17th or the 18th. The Holy Spirit speaks today. So today, if you will hear his voice, 
That is quoting from all the way 2,000 years ago from the psalmist. Uh, that's uh, uh, basically much more than that, 3,000 years ago. The psalmist David talked about, and what the Holy Spirit spoke to David in his day, he's speaking to us as he spoke to the apostles that day, he speaks to us today. So wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, today if you will hear my voice, are you hearing the voice of God today? We need to hear what he says today, just like he has given us our manna yesterday. We need new bread. We need fresh bread. We need to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Go ahead, give the Lord a clap offering. Uh, something very important about the Word of God is very powerful, and this is what it says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. Uh, listen, the Word of God is quick. That is, it's powerful, and it is uh, quick, sharper than any two-edged sword, and it basically is the discerner of thoughts and intents and more and intents of the heart. The Spirit of God still is quick. Uh, it's still alive. That's what it means, not dead. So the King James Version, quick, is basically alive and powerful. It's still alive today as it is then. Something about the Word of God, it's very important. Even as uh, the preacher, we would think Solomon, spoke to his sons or children, it's so, so to speak, it is very powerful, Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 23, it is by the Spirit, and yet the Word comes in a very eloquent, powerful way. So it says, turn you at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my Spirit unto you, and I will make known my words unto you. It is always the Spirit anointing the Word. One of the uh, past Wednesday, we did a wonderful study, and I think on Sunday also we talked about Zechariah. But if you turn to Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6, this is the Word. And what is the word? The word is impregnated, not by man's power or by his might, but by my spirit, say the Lord. So we're looking at the word that is quick and powerful, and it is the word of the Lord, and it is not, doesn't stand on the might or the power of man's word. I understand the eloquency and oratory style may be important, but at the end of the day, I don't really care if the man is jumping up from chandelier of his speaking ornate words or it is powerful oratory it doesn't bother me as long as i get the word of god i tend to find people can be like theatrics with gimmicks and and also of the gymnastics spiritual gymnastic and they don't talk the word they're telling stories soft stories encouraging stories you can get better than uh, outside the church by inspired speakers. They speak inspiration. They basically uh, motivate you. But the Word of God is far beyond just motivating you in the soul. It must motivate you in the spirit, soul, body, and it must come to your spirit. I want you to understand it's not so much the story. It's the Word of God that is alive and that is quick. And what we need so desperately is the Word of God. Something I want us to realize is when you think about the Word of God, first let me say, God will use various ways, but He will never contradict the Word of God. He will never have anyone add to the Word of God. Revelation chapter 22 is the last of the book of the Bible, last chapter. There's nobody else words, nobody else prophets can add to it, no books can add to it, and in the end, I talked about the last time, the word and word and the word the Bible alone stands. 
But I want us to realize when God speaks to us, he speaks in many various ways, and there are times, and let me explain, I go to the scriptures for direction, I go to the scripture for guidance, I go to the scriptures, and the Holy Spirit does guide every one of us. But there are times when we don't have a chapter and verse, and I will talk about how the Spirit anoints the Word. Because the Word is in us, and the Word is with us, uh, we need to realize that we basically get the feeling of what God wants. So somebody says, um, I, was, I was a young lad, gone, born again, and I was talking to a very, uh, I would say, godly man, a man who had great wisdom in the world, much older, much wiser, and I happened to tell him about smoking, and he basically told me, you know the scriptures, tell me where it says that I shouldn't smoke. Uh, give me a chapter and give me a verse. I didn't have a chapter and I didn't have a verse. Now, we have to look at the word on a large, and the Holy Spirit must be able to bring about. And I was able to bring about something very pertinent, and it struck his heart, and he said, my God, it was not a chapter and verse, but the Spirit of God picks up, and that is basically very important in terms of what would be the Spirit anointing the Word. It is through the Word, but you get basically the Word, and then begins to enlighten the Word, and then through the Spirit brings an enlightenment and a guidance. We need to realize many a times that uh, there's a sense in which God anoints us. It's very important. The anointment can go out, uh, basically, into the extremities uh, because of some preachers take it off and, and from the book of Isaiah move on, the anointing breaks the yoke and then build literally pillars of faith on that. No, it's just mentioned by two books, and yet it is very powerful. Um, again, the gospel has about it. But let me just say why I want us to realize, because... There are times when we, re when we get a word or when we hear something or see dreams or visions or things that basically we don't make sense uh, may not be meaningful or it could be meaningful depending on the unction, the anointment, uh, uh, anointing. And it's very important we understand this. If you turn to 1 John chapter 2 and verse 20, listen to what the Apostle John is saying, but you have an unction or you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things deep in your knower, deep down in your own heart. This is where you must grow, just like everything else, grow in the grace, like Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, and in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. You must be able to grow in that unction. So when you come down to verse 27, John is going on to say, but the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you. It is in you. And this is very important because no one should deceive you. You need to know. And the word, the unction and the word are very important. Let me just say this. Uh, abides in you and you do not need that any man teach you. In other words, not that you don't need a chitu. We all need mentors. We all need to be taught. The Bible is about equipping. But what it simply means is uh, it's not that you're ignorant. I mean, you may not have a PhD in theology, but you do have the Holy Spirit in you that you could understand and know what is uh, important. That you need not uh, anyone teach you, but in the, the same anointing teach you to all things and is truth and is no lie. Even as it had taught you, you shall abide in him. So it's very important you abide in that anointing. Now understand, the anointing is the Lord Jesus. The anointing is the one that breaks the yoke. But 
If I could give a perfect example, there's nothing better or no one better than our Lord Jesus Christ. So when you look at uh, Luke chapter 3, we don't need to go, verse 22, he was basically baptized, the dove came upon him, there was a tremendous anointing. But how did he start his ministry? Of course, through the Holy Spirit, but he used a particular word. And in Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, listen to what he says. This is basically quoting from the book of Isaiah. He says, Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. And anointed me to do what? Because that is the manifesto. That is the service call that becomes pertinent to all of us. The Spirit of the Lord has anointed me to, number one, I need that anointing to preach the gospel. You need that anointing. He had the anointing to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance, the anointing to set captives free, anointing to recovering of sight to the blind, the anointing to set at liberty those that are bruised. All of this is very important. The anointing. So when you look at the action of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, uh, you can read that in Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, how that the Lord anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with power, and he went about. So the anointing, he went about doing good, healing all manner of that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So this is a manifesto for every one of us, and we need the, uh, what the Lord has, and we need to realize we cannot undermine it. We cannot say, I don't need him. We need him, whether it is for reaching out, whether it is for touching lives, it is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's important we understand that uh, it's Paul mentions about this, and it's very important we get to understand that this is us, just like we come to be established, we're also anointed. Uh, if you take 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 21, uh, I believe this is what Paul is saying. Now he which establishes us with you in Christ and he who anoints us is God. So we're established by God, and we're anointed by God. So this is something that God gives to us. It's very important. Uh, just in case we think it is external, uh, I'm not against seminar, and I'm not against going out, great pilgrimage and all that. I'm not a pilgrimage guy, because uh, I think rather than get... Uh, Baptized in basically Jordan River, I enjoy being baptized wherever the Lord has me. Nothing wrong with that, nothing wrong with, sir, but let me just say this. The most important place that you need to visit is the depth of your own being, for the kingdom of God is within you. Many people tend to give money to something that's external. Uh, this is... Uh, uh, of something of most invaluable or most valuable is someone within you, the very kingdom, the very king, and the very presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, I say this is very important because when you turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16, look at the emphatic way Paul is talking about. He says, no, you not, that you are the temple. Where is the temple? Do I need to go to a pilgrimage? You are the temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Just so that you don't understand, he repeats it a few chapters later in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. And let me read this again. He says, what? Know you not that your body 
is the temple. Think about it, my friend. The olden days, that was a literal temple. It was a palatial, ornate, beautiful place. But the Holy Spirit is not dwelling as he did in tabernacles or in tents or even in the most ornate of all buildings. He chooses to dwell within you. That your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is in you, which you have of God, and that you are not your own. The anointing is very important and very powerful because what we need to realize is this is the anointing in us that as we begin to grow in grace, grow in his love, grow in everything. See, I, I think I can describe in a way that you have salvation. That is what Philippians chapter 2, 13, God works in you. But in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, work out your salvation. Excuse me, salvation is free. Do I work not in the same way that you work to pray? You got salvation, now grow in that salvation. Jesus' door, now it's time you get right, open the door, go right in. You can't just stand at the door and not keep knocking the doors open. You have to enter into the Father's throne room and grace and enjoy. There's so much of a splendor in uh, the entering of this kingdom. Understand this, work out your salvation simply means you got your salvation, now work it out. So let me just say, I know salvation in the spirit uh, in terms of eternity, but what about salvation in terms of the situation I'm going through? Work out your salvation simply means you have it, God has put in you, now begin to speak it out, begin to action it, and basically bring it about. So all of this is to say, you have within you the kingdom. You have within you all of what it takes, grace, uh, knowledge, like you say, in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus, grow, 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 grow. So this is something you have to grow in faith, grow in knowledge. And the same thing is you have to grow in the unction that God has given you. The anointing is important because later on we will come to a realization. When you hear things, uh, you've got to check it out. You've got the word of God. But what happens is God impresses the, the, your spirit to be able to know the truth because you get to know the word. Now, one thing is the Holy Spirit anointing within and that, we, that anointing remains. The other thing is to constantly read the word and study the word and be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. It's very important we understand that. Let me just say this. When you go through the scriptures, a couple of things that stand out very importantly is the fact that we need to recognize that growing in everything that God gives us is very important. We can't remain an infant. We cannot remain just simply where we are spoon-fed. We have to grow in grace. We have to grow in the anointing. We have to grow with all of what God has for us. Uh, very importantly, that we come to a realization that uh, we need to know the Word, and yet because of the unction within and the Word, it impresses our spirit to be able to make wise decision, even though you do not have a chapter and a verse. I love the word. I study the word. I immerse myself in the word. Uh, but I want us to know that God speaks mainly through the word of God. But if I was to go, were to tell you that every issues and situations of your life as a chapter and a verse, I would be lying. 
So you have to actually know the word and the spirit of God, the unction, to be able to come to us where you say, okay, I got it. And it's not chapter and verse. We need to realize it's importantly the spirit of God speaking and the word working in you. And you are able to know what is God's perfect will in the situation. Decisions were made in the church early days because of the unction and because of the word of God. So decisions were made, and even though they didn't have a direct exact word, they used the Old Testament and to be able to receive it and to be able to use that in that particular situation. The church had an issue with the old uh, folks coming in from the old time, and they wanted to carry on, and they felt that the uh, Gentiles should be this, doing the same thing like they do. Uh, become replicate with their culture and with their custom, with every eating dietary style. But um, James, the brother of the Lord, who was at that point, the one making the decision, said it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. What he did was he quoted Amos about the tabernacle of David and brought it to what would be a relevant issue. But what has the tabernacle of David got to do with the New Testament? But it was very clear with the implication being that the Spirit of God is with us. We don't need all of the uh, paraphernalia of the Old Testament, the style and the culture and all of that, because the, the tabernacle of David was open and you could actually converse with God. The Shekinah glory, that was the heart of David. He was the Old Testament prophet, uh, psalmist, but living in the New Testament heart. So he didn't need to get through all of that. He was one who even went and ate of the bread that was the anointed, and that basically the Lord Jesus Christ quoted, which was not so in the, in the Old Testament. But all this to say, he made this, uh, um, that for the Gentiles, they don't need to go through all of this as long as they don't eat um, meat with blood and so forth and so forth, the adultery and fornication. That being said, it was very important what would be uh, uh, conditions that he gave to the uh, Gentiles. Wonderful. It's a li real liberty. I want to just mention this. Sometimes you can be fundamental to the core and become such fundamentalist when I talk about the word. I got to appreciate the people who hold on to the fundamental. They are pillars. They are powerful. They are strong. And they know the word. They understand the word. And so Particularly in the country, you have a lot of great preachers, uh, evangelicals largely, who are fundamental comes to the word of God. They know scriptures, they know chapter, they know verses. I love them and I appreciate them. But the problem we have with many of them, they hold on to what would be the limitations of chapter and verse in the Bible, which is important. But when you have the word of God in you, and the unction, the spirit of God in you, you can surmise what would be the present-day situation, the decisions you make. It may not find a chapter and not find a verse. But let me say this. There are two types of people today in this modern world. One is the hyper, what would be called the orthodoxy. They're very orthodox, but they won't be able to go one inch further from what is prescribed. Uh, and then there is the freebies, what I call them the spirit moving and it's not about the Holy Spirit, just about any spirit. You can put gasoline, you can put kerosene, you can just put any other thing, alcohol, they will still move. So there's a spirit that moves in them. Uh, there are two extremities and they are both can be basically difficult to deal when it comes to the issues of life. 
I would rather be a fundamentalist to the word, knowing the word, than just run off with someone talking all crazy stuff in the pulpit or in a big campaign when there is, he just goes off in an emotional, he says crazy stuff and you don't even know what he's talking about and later on he retracts. And in retracting, it's even worse than what he said before. So they are like flimsy actors. The Spirit of God told me to do this. So... But between the two, we need to find a certain middle ground. So let me just talk about first, the spirit without the word can be dangerous. And I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit moving, they said, by the spirit. They do crazy, crazy stuff and tend to make us believe the Holy Spirit made them do. No, they don't. And they say crazy stuff from the pulpit. The spirit told me that this year is going to be a release. That was what many of them said in 2019. What release? What a release of the virus? So they say crazy stuff, and then they retract and say, you know, it was not for 2019, it was 2090. Yeah, good for you. But I want you to realize this very important. Before we go crazy on these things, first let me say the spirit without the word basically can go bust. But very importantly, we need to realize the sense in which you... If you're not careful, you get what is called as extra biblical revelation. So when you get these extra biblical revelation, it's not found in the scripture. Basically, they quoted something here, and they quoted something there, and voila, they made a whole doctrine out of that. Satan quoted the Bible too, and Jesus set him right by quoting it rightly. Just jump off this mountain. He's got his angels going to carry you. Of course, God can do that. But Jesus said it and said, don't be presumptuous. We need to understand. And so he also quoted the right way of interpreting the scriptures. And again, study to show thyself fruit, rightly dividing the word. It's very important. Now, when you look at the aspect of what would be a freebies in the spirit without a base in the word of God, and the dangerous thing is when people use prophecies, I believe in prophecy, I believe in prophets, I believe in all of the fivefold ministry, I believe in everything that God wants for us. But hear me out before I come to that. Uh, when freebies running off without a base, without a foundation, without the word, it's like building a building without the foundation of the word of God. Uh, you would be foolish. It would be very glamorous building. It's got everything beautiful, colorful. It'll fall out. It'll collapse. Why? Because there is no base. There is no foundation. It was built on fantasy. fantasy. And it will last for a while. People are impressed. A lot of people throw money to them because they become famous. But listen, on the long last, all the healings and all the words they said, after a while did get washed and something new comes in. White 2K has gone. Now something else will come in. So they always have a word moved by the emotion, not by the spirit. Just be very careful. So people tend to have an extra biblical revelation that's not found in the scriptures. Be very careful. But let me just say this. When you turn to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, this is what Paul has to say in terms of how this, now the Spirit expresses that in the last days, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to, that's a spirit. But it is seducing spirit and doctrines of the devils. And you do find in the church today, people just running off, moved by the Spirit, and they're running amok, and they're running counter to the written word, 
counter to the living word, the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is not the word of the Son of God. And we need to understand the Spirit of God in us says, no, no, I'm not going to be moved by that. I'm not going to listen to that. It's not according to the law, the word, and the testimony of the word. There's not much light in that. Something else we need to realize in First uh, John chapter 4 and verse 1, listen to what beloved John says, beloved, believe not again every spirit. He's not talking about the psychic network. He is not concerned about that. He's talking about within the church, and this is dangerous for false prophets come out of it. Believe not every spirit, but try, test the spirit. How do you test the spirit? The word of God. So there's many ways in which God leads, but the best way of testing is this is the tester, the word of God, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone into the world. I'll talk about one of the, uh, basically what would be the famous uh, way of doing things. But this is important for us to realize. Now, let me come back to what would be orthodoxy without the spirit. Uh, they are basically limited God by the 66 books of the Bible, and uh, this is basically so fundamental, you can almost, if I could give a loose uh, illustration or example, it would be the Pharisees. Uh, what I mean is, uh, they're not so much like the Pharisees, like the old, but the Pharisees understand during the time of the Lord Jesus, at a strange, but the Pharisees uh, centuries before were the people who stood for the word, who stood for the law, who stood for the framework of God's word upon Israel. So when the words were dissipated, when there were idols, when there were Baals, and when there were all sorts of Molak running around, the Astoreth running around, people worshiping all, the Pharisees restored what would be the Jewish people back to their Jewish roots into the word of God. So they were fundamentalists. They were conservative. They were people who knew the word. By the time they come to the day of the Lord Jesus Christ, they become rootly uh, rooted in the word. That's to say, the word became so important, it is more than the living word. Uh, so when the living word came, they were still quoting simply the word without understanding the spirit of the word. Now, let me just say this very importantly. They measured people by the Sabbath. And so if you broke the Sabbath law, you simply estranged. You just gone off the thing. They measured everybody by the yardstick, even willing to stone a woman. But you see the woman is there. Where's the man? Where's the turkey who played all this nonsense? No, he's not. It could be one of them. But they have ways of doing without mercy the law, thinking that God is merciless, but we talk about a God who is mercy and benevolent and gracious and kind, but where is it played out unless you know the spirit of the law? If you take the law as stones, you are set in stone. Talk about it. They were Pharisees. They were immovable. I want you to realize one thing about the word of God. It is immovable. It is set in stone. The, the laws were written on stones. And you have no middle path when it comes to the stone. So for them, is this way or no other way. In other words, this is how it is. So the Lord Jesus Christ had to deal a lot with them. But they were really stiff-necked, proud. In fact, Matthew chapter 23 is nothing but indignation. Woe, woe, woe. Take Matthew chapter 23 and verse 27. These were to the Pharisees and scribes. 
One would be considered the well-versed scriptures, people who knew the word, but they were basically not understanding the spirit of the word. So woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrite, you're like the whited sepulchres. You have what is known as a tomb. It's become a monument. It's no more the movement. The word doesn't have any movement. It's become a monument. And down are dead, dry bones. You know it by heart, but you have no idea what it means. The word they are interpreting and the living word has come and they have not understood the word. The great visitation has come, they have no idea. They were able to quote to the wise men where this child will be born and they could not go six miles from there while as these wise men traveled hundreds and thousands of miles. Their head was like a stone. Now, I want you to realize something is while the word is very powerful and is immovable, the Spirit of God moves. The first aspect of the Spirit of God is in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, and the Spirit of God moved. So now comes the immovable word being moved into this 21st century, and if the Lord tarries into the 22nd century, and the word of God is still applicable at its worst 2,000 years ago, as it will be 2,000 years later, and if the Lord tarries 2,000 yet to come, the word of God is unchanging. The spirit of God begins to move the word and make it applicable to our lives. So, let me just say, when you have the spirit without the word, you get to, you tend to have extra biblical revelation. I got a revelation. And when you hear him out, where do you get this? Oh, from the Book of Mormon. Don't you find in the Word of God? Extra biblical. And this is so common, even in the Pentecostal circle. I got one, well, I've got a visitation. I got a revelation. Smack the wisdom of what the scriptures is exactly the opposite. But on the other hand, those that are headstone setting, they are removable. They got to judge you, hit you with the word, slap you with the word. There's a lot of children that jumped out of the windows of the homes and the church of God because the word was so strong, they just didn't feel related. And boom, they jumped as fast as they can. And they have used their talents, their musical instruments, their talents for the word because the church made it impossible for them with the words that basically was not used to give them life but knocked the head out of their, uh, the brains out of them. We need to realize the word is very important and how we divide the word is very important. Now, let me just say this. When you have the word, that cannot be moved and the movement of the spirit is very powerful. You call what is called, Paul calls it, the spirit of life. Did you understand? So if you don't have spirit in the word, it is dead letter. Dead letter. But when you have the word with life, it is the spirit of life. If you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6, let's read that. This is very important. Who also has made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. The same word now comes, and it's not what is called glittery, gold, entertainment. 
uh, something like, hey, come on, like a magician running. No, it is the word, but we need the word. But the word comes, pregnated by the Spirit of God. <clears throat> Boom. I'm going to tell you most amazing is I am speaking the word of God. You are hearing it one way. The Spirit of God is interpreting and it's speaking to your situation. And those that are watching all the way in Africa, all the way in the Gulf, all the way in the Middle East, all the way in, uh, in different parts of the world, you are getting the same word, but it's speaking to you totally different from what they heard or what they heard. The Spirit of God is making the word applicable to you in the situation that you are going through. That is the power of the word of life. I don't have to shape it. I don't have to color it. I don't have to culturize it. I don't have to make it Americanized or Africanized or Indianized. I just speak the word just as the word is. What makes the difference is the spirit that gives life and it is not the dead letter. So someone is sitting here and saying, oh my God, the pastor just spoke to my particular situation and you are having exactly another but the word of God has spoken to you in your situation. No two cases are the same. That, my friend, is the power of the word of God. That is the spirit of God anointing the word of God. This is very powerful. This is what I call the power there is in the word. Now, before I come to God speaking to us, and I will do that in the next couple of uh, sessions, God willing, talking about how God speaks to us through dreams. And again, the yardstick is the word of God and the anointing or through dreams, through visions, through words, uh, through counseling, through basically the words that is uttered from the pulpit or words that you hear. Or it could be through uh, creation when you see the stars. Or I heard this Count Zekinda, who basically was the leader of the Moravian, converted as a result of seeing art, a painting of Christ, and some who basically had the word come to them while listening to really good music. So many different ways, a spectacular way God speaks to them. It is God-given ideas, God-given intuition, all of this, even the, the gift of revelation comes, and all of this in so many ways. But again, the yardstick is the word, and it must be unctioned by the anointing that is within you. And so if you do not do your homework, you can be taken for a ride. You would be following the Pipe Piper using the scriptures for his own benefit and for his own selfish reason. And there's no one to blame except you because you didn't know the word and because you didn't grow in the spirit of God. So there's a whole world outside there. They have a purpose, a few of them. And the Bible simply calls them false prophets. Simply means they are prophets but they're false because they deviated. The greatest condemnation that you find in the Old Testament, God directed to pastors who did not preach the word. There's no shortcut. I can entertain you with motivation speeches. I do not want to. In the end, I'll be judged because I did not speak the word of God. So it's important we understand when it comes to this is very important, and this is it. It is simply means God will never, ever contradict his word. No, he will not. So I'm going to talk about the various ways and sundry ways and various ways God speaks, but the end, the spirit and the word, 
you would know or the, that the spirit of the word will make you understand, no, that dream, I cannot take it. It's not from God. Or this vision, I am saying, this is from God. And this is where I could basically stand upon. And again, it's important that we seek wise advices and counselors and people that would give us uh, information more of the word of God. It's important that we understand God gives gifts to the body, the ascension gift ministry. God gives gifts. And this is important I'll talk about that. All of this must be availed, but in the end, be careful. A man can go in the spirit and then go in the flesh. You need to know where he ended in the spirit and began in the flesh. And you need to take only what you choose to take, what God tells you to take. It could be a word, not a whole chapter of wisdom. A word of knowledge, not the whole book you need, just that, and God will speak to you. Remember, God never gave people complete wisdom and knowledge. Even for Abraham, one word, get out. He did that, and then God began the second instructions. Don't wait for a whole book. A man may say a lot of things, a woman may say a lot of things, but what word is all that you need? And you need to determine what is God speaking to you. Now, when you turn to God will never contradict his word. Towards the end, I talk about it in Psalm 138, verse 2. Last in the end, it's simply that you have magnified your word above all your names. So when Jesus Christ was talking to those two disciples, Luke chapter 24 and verse 27, he's speaking about a very important, that it is about, about himself. It's very important we recognize that. I'm going to say this very importantly. When you go into uh, this passage in uh, First Thessalonican and, uh, uh, and chapter 2 and verse 13, here is Paul writing and saying, for this cause also, we, uh, we thank God without ceasing because when you receive the word of God, this is important, this is the word of God which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as in truth, the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. This is the word that God speaks to us from his written word that comes to us. It's very important. Again, in, uh, when you turn to First, uh, First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13, he says, until I come, give attendance to reading and exhortation and to doctrine. So before we go into the way, different way God speaks, get to know what is important. Give attendance. Don't run from pillar to face to over a prophet. Don't run from one city to another hearing a word of God. You've got the word in you. The word is nigh you and the kingdom of God is within you. Don't waste money jumping all over. I need a word. I need a word. I need a word. End of the day, the word is even nigh you, very close to you. But then the Spirit of God will confirm this word later or early, but you will know in your own heart, yes, I received this word. God has prepared me to receive this word. What you find in Second uh, um, Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, I did that, but let's read again. Study to show yourself approved. This is important. A workman. A workman simply means there's no shortcut. If you're going for medicine, hear me out. It's nice you come to the pastor and say, please, pastor, lay your hands upon me and that I would be a doctor, an engineer. That being said, even if I take a whole bucket of oil and you do not study, you will never be an engineer and a doctor. You just got oiled by the pastor and you're good for nothing. I mean, I wasted that oil, you wasted your time, 
you should be studying a workman that needed not be ashamed. No one can do it for you. Your father, your mother, your teachers, only you can. So you need to be a workman that nothing need to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of God. This is not shortcut. You need to know the word. Again, chapter 3 of 2 Timothy and verse 16. Listen, the power of the word. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God will be fully furnished to do good works. That's important. All of this to say that we need to be very careful because 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 and 4 tells you how careful you must be. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. The time is today. They are not willing to endure sound doctrine. I mean, there's a precious woman of God from this church. She basically got bamboozled by some prophet who raised some dead people. Turned out the whole thing was a lie. And she says, he's a prophet. How could you even think about it? I called her. Oh, she says, you don't understand. He's a mighty. I said, get back to the word. Get to know what the Holy Spirit's speaking. What he says is basically, you don't have to hear it. The whole world knows he's a deceptive liar. Things are happening in large scale. You have to be careful, be careful, be careful. After their own lust, they shall eat. This is after their own lust. They want Bentley. They want the latest plane. They would do crazy stuff. Just like the film stars. Just like Hollywood. Just like the Madison Square Garden. What's the difference? The only thing, they work their socks off. These people use the gift of cap to make money. And after Rome sells, teachers having itching ears, and verse 4 goes on to say, and they shall turn away their ears from truth, and they shall be turned into fables. How could truth be turned into fables? It's in the art of how you say that. They do not know, they do not dig through the scriptures, they want to hear, they want to say that, they go by their feelings, they go by the imaginations of their mind. Do not fall prey to that. I want to say this very importantly. When you turn to Jude and verse 3, it reminds us, Jude is saying, contend for the faith that was once delivered unto you. So stand up for the faith. Stand up for what you believe and what you stand up for. This is worth standing up and contending for. Uh, these are not words of imagination of word. Is it true of the word of God? Stand fast to it. And again, in Second uh, Peter chapter 3, uh, and verse 18, I talked about earlier, grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, to him be glory. So what will you do? Grow in the things of God. That is very important. I want to just talk about something very important, and that is God will give to speak to us in many sundry ways, and so many ways that uh, I don't want to say only through chapter and verse of the Bible. Now, understand this. After a while that you have built the Word of God in your heart and you have been in unction of the Spirit of God, you're able to surmise, yes, this is God speaking to me as he spoke to the uh, patriarchs and as he spoke to the prophets of old. 
And he speaks to the apostles and he spoke to the prophets of the New Testament as he spoke to his people in the ages past. He's able to speak, but again, like I said, I talked about two things, the word and the spirit. They are very important. So once you come to a familiarized where you got, you know, you know, you know, and the word and the immovable word of God, and you got the word of the spirit of God that moves and makes alive this word, you're able to say, God, I thank you. The word is applicable right now in this situation I'm facing. Now, it may not be the exact chapter and verse, but you've got the idea. This is, a, oh, why can't I smoke? Because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. No, no, I want chapter and verse of the smoking and the cigarette. Yes, your temple, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, there was a precious man who told me when I asked, told him this, is what you shouldn't do. And he said, tell me chapter and verse. I said, Jesus is coming any day. Now you have this, you want to call it cigarette or marijuana, what do you want? And Jesus comes, I'm having a cup of coffee. I would say to Jesus, will you have a cup of coffee? He will sit down and have a cup of coffee. Would you give him a reef and say, Jesus, smoke with me? No chapter of words, but you got what I said. It simply speaks to people in the situation that you go through. Now, very important we understand, when it comes to prophecy, it's a gift of God. The office of a prophet is a gift of God. It's called the Ascension Gift Ministry. Do I believe? I believe. With everything that God has given to the church, we must be able, listen, my friend, when you ask someone to pray for you, receive what he has to give, but one thing, do not follow him. Do not let him control your life. There's only one, the Holy Spirit, that controls your life. When God does a miracle, and there's the gift of the making of working of miracles, the worker is this man, but the power of God is made. Don't let him control your life afterwards. What time you wake up, who you should marry, my friend, you have the unction. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Don't let man use his gift to control you. Do you understand what I said? Do not be controlled except one who is your master, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. The time, yes, I've got a few moments. I just want you to turn to this very important, and that is 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 29. Listen to what it says. It says here, let the prophet speak two or three and let the other judge. So it's important, let them speak. But in the end, you don't judge the word of God. Did you understand that? The word of God ultimately judges you, okay? You never say, excuse me, I don't think, Lord, that word I agree with. Well, right now you don't agree with. And they will come, you say, Lord, thank you for the word. But when it comes to things that is said, which is not the word, even maybe an interpretation of the word, you must be able to know or else ask people and let the others judge. I want you to realize this. When a man speaks, he's used of the Holy Spirit, and yet he's a man. He's a woman. She's a woman. So they have with them the culture, the situation they all go through. So we need to realize it's not perfect, but God uses that person to give a word of wisdom. It's for you. The healing is for you. If you reject it, it's rejected. Actually, it doesn't bless you. So receive what you have, but the person may 
the Holy Spirit uses it. But that being said, take it with what would be, he's not my Lord. The Lord is using an individual. If God can use a donkey, God can use a raven, he can use that person. Even though you may not like his style, the hairstyle or the clothes she wears. But remember, it's a gift, it's a gift. It is for you. Receive and then say, thank you, Lord, and receive what you have got from the Holy Spirit. Again, in, in, second, in um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 37, listen to what it says here. It's very humbling. When God is using you, whether it be for the gift of feeling, whether it be the gift of prophecy, never be feeling it's you. Remember this. You are not adding chapter and verse to the Bible. People become so famous, they forget that they were little kids walking with half a pant, half a shirt, and now they're having their own planes. They think they are God Almighty, and you got to do what? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Almighty Prophet of God. My friend, if you could bow down to the Lord a little more, that would be it. That's the best. But listen, if a, many, if a man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge, let him acknowledge that the things that are right, the scriptures, the written word, are the commandments of the Lord. Do you understand? Different. The gift is one thing, but it should not contradict the written word, the commandments of the Lord. So Paul is saying, if you think you are a big guy, understand, let him acknowledge. He must know the word and very importantly, the Word of God. One of the things we need to realize as we go into the Scriptures, there's a lot of things that speaks to us and blesses us. And when it comes to prophecy, it's very clear-cut. First Thessalonians chapter 5, 20 and 21. Listen to what it says. Despise not prophesying. Or can I add, despise not the gift of healing, despise not the word of wisdom, despise not the word of knowledge, despise not whatever gift. It is God giving it to you. It could be the person may be from Africa, the person may be from Asia, the person may be from the Caribbean, the person may be Spanish. My friend, if you're not that culture, don't worry. The gift is of the Holy Spirit that is in you. You got it? So it doesn't matter who he uses, receive that gift, but he's not the Lord. The Lord is giving severally as he will. And by the way, you have a gift too, which you haven't used. You need to polish that. Now, when you look in the next verse, verse 21, listen carefully. Prove all things. So when a person comes and prays for me, literally, this lady told me, now don't do anything without me saying before you preach. I said, excuse me? Excuse me? I received the gift. Bye-bye. I will not be controlled by anybody like this. So it's very important. Prove all things. Test all things. Hold fast. So it is something good. Hold fast to that which is good. So it is good that you be benefited, you be blessed. And if you feel you have to learn under someone, a mentor in that gifting, do it. But listen to thee, my friend. You need to thank God. But in the end, that which is good, that which is profitable for you. We need to realize very importantly that, uh, again, I talked about it in first, uh, in second, uh, second John chapter 4 and verse 1. Test everything. Prove all things. This is part and part of our job. So we live in a very difficult day, human people, and yet God chooses to use uh, human people. So we need to test. We need to prove. We need to realize, is it the boundaries? How do you test them? 
by the word of God. And of course, it doesn't matter how many books they have written, is he true? Is she true to the word of God? One of the things I want you to understand, we live in a day where it's no different from the Pharisees, and we shouldn't be like that. Oh, you know, unless I receive uh, some remarkable thing, only I will believe God is not giving his word and wasting his miracle on you. You need to realize a very important thing, and this is what the Pharisees misunderstood. Listen to what it says in uh, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 38. We need to see some miracles. We need to, so don't be in the last days. People are looking for love. We want to see sign. Is it something that you are seeking to believe God through some signs? And there are people willing to give you that, my friend. That's not how it works. It's simply, I believe to see the goodness of God. I don't want to see to believe. I believe to see. It Faith must come from your own heart. It's very important. The very important aspect of knowing the word of God and understanding, also realizing that God has so much. Uh, the word is big and it's wide and God has so much. His arms are open. There's a lot that God wants to offer. But as we receive, we need to keep our eyes on God and not upon people. Moses, God had to take Moses right into oblivion because in the end they would have worshipped him. Thank God he took him away. God's people, he removes one's people, look to that person or that individual to be their life support and their life savior. There's only one. There's never more than one. Hear ye him, this is my son. The son will use anybody, but my friend, you and I cannot take the place. We are at best broken vessels, where at best unworthy servants, God has called us, nothing more, nothing less. We need to realize when we come to hear the word of God, we must also keep in focus what uh, Paul is writing to Timothy. And when you turn to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3, 4, and 5, he says, if any man teach otherwise and concern not to wholesome words, wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to the godliness, all of this must work wholesome and must come to godliness. And in verse 4 goes on to say, if he doesn't, he's proud. All about cars, all about the best plane, all about the big houses. My friend, God can give a plane if he wants to. You don't have to beg and cheat your way to get that and deceive with lies? No. He's proud knowing nothing but dotting about questions and strife of words, whereof cometh envy and strife, railings, evil surmising, and so forth. I want to realize something very important when you go through these passages. It's very important we understand. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, again, this tends not to ungodliness, but to godliness. According as his divine power has he given unto us all things, whatever he is given, that pertain unto life and godliness. God is not going to waste his miracle just for you to have a Mercedes, just so that you would be proud, just you might say, I'm better than you. My culture, my nation, my society is better than you. God doesn't have time for that. It must pertain to life and godliness to the knowledge of him that had called us to glory to glory. 
you know, when you go through a very important thing, let me tell you, this is something very important. How do you know one that speaks and uses the gifts of God for exalting the Lord and edifying the church and enlarging and evangelizing the community? That is what the gift is for. Ultimately, to be for God's glory, it would be to bless the saints, to bless the church, and literally, one of the things I find is when individuals use their gift for themselves, they're building their own empire, their own kingdom, their own houses, their own Bentley cars and the latest cars and the latest planes. I need money. you got to give me to get the latest plane. I'm using five-year-old plane. My friend, you have a plane. We don't even have a good car to run around with. But they want, and they will use any gifts to use that. Don't be hoodwinked. Listen, there is a passage in the Old Testament, and yet the New Testament speaks about it again and again. Let me quote you 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 15. Listen to what it says here. Here, which have forsaken the right way, and have gone astray, this is from the New Testament, following the way of Balaam. What did Balaam do? Use the gifts, give me money, the king of Moab, and I will prophesy exactly what you want. You want to be a king? Now, tomorrow I want to be an emperor. Here, you are an emperor. Just make sure you give me $1,000. I'll make sure I have the right word for you. I want you to understand this. The son of Boser who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Go to Jude, verse 11. Listen to what Jude is saying. That's the second last book of the Bible. Jude and verse 11. There's chapter 1 and verse 11, if you want. It tells you about, again, two people. And Jude is saying, Jude chapter 1, Woe unto them, for they have gone the way of Cain. Simply, he just wanted to please himself, not the Lord, unlike Abel and ran greedily after the error of Balaam for reward. So, no matter what gift you have, it is not for your personal reward. God will bless you, people will bless you, but do not do it for a personal gain. You know, my friend, I'm going to give you, I remember one man telling me, do you have $500? I said, what for? He said, I have to give the profit so I would know my future. I said, I'll give you the just free of charge. Here, take the Bible, read it from cover to come, come back to me, it's free. He didn't want the word of God. He wanted itching ears to hear what thus saith the Lord. Very careful. I believe in prophecy. I believe in the prophet. But it is not a reward. Again, let me tell you Revelation chapter 2 verse 14. Now we are going all the way in the New Testament to the book of Revelation. And chapter 2 and verse 14. Here to the church. I have few things against you because thou has there that have the doctrine of Balaam. Do we have anybody with the doctrine? No. I make sure we don't have crazy people that says, you know, for a few money, I would prophesy. We don't have anybody here. But this is the word that God speaks, the Lord Jesus Christ. They hold the doctrine of Balaam and thought Balak to cast a stumbling block with the children of Israel and to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit fornication. If anyone tells you this and leads to ungodly lifestyle and their life is not godly, be careful. But in the end, I want you to understand this. Listen to what it says in 
1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 2 and 3. This is important because when you turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 2, he that speaketh in a known tongue speaketh unto men, not unto men, but unto God. But no man understands how be the spirit that speaketh mysteries. When you turn to verse 3, but he that prophesied speaketh unto men to edification. It is to bless you, to edify you, and exalt you, and comfort you. That is literally what all of the gifts of God are for. Again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. It's very powerful. It tells you, wherefore, I give to understand no man speaking, but, go, you know, the next couple of verses talks about he has given severally as he will, and to distribute to the saints and to be able to bless. So in the end, I would be next Sunday, God willing, talking to you about the various ways God will speak to us. I'm not limiting God to immovable word. The word is alive. The word is fresh. The spirit anoints the word. But that having been said, I want to know whether it is a vision, whether it is a revelation, whether it is a word from your best friend says, I had a vision about you. Always measure it by the word of God and by the unction. Someone tells you, you know, brother, I think you should marry that person. Say, you can marry that person. I will wait upon the Lord. Yeah? Until the Lord tells me I'm going to do nothing. I'm going, not going to run to Timbuktu. I just want to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. Shall we just stand up for a moment? And just to give thanks for his goodness. God has made so much available to the church of this century. He's given to us life and life eternal. And just so that we know in this life and in this age, and particularly in the environment in which we are, the Holy Spirit brings life in the word. Just receive what he has to say and thank you, Lord. It is for you to grow in the grace and the knowledge that he would be glorified and he would be honored. Bless your people, I pray. And strengthen your people today. And help us not to despise prophesying. Nor despise the office of an apostle, prophet. Or whether it be teachers. Or whether it be evangelists. Or whether it be pastors. Help us to receive so that you would be exalted. We would be edified. And the people around would be evangelized. For your glory, Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that you've been encouraged by the word of the Lord. To learn more, please visit our website, highlandny.org, or our Facebook page, Highland Church, New York. Until next time, may God richly bless you.